0: This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast is brought to you by the sales developers. They believe that outbound sales requires a consistent commitment to the process, and they understand the tedious and time-consuming task of sourcing, hiring, and onboarding new sales talent. Besides providing premium quality contact data, outbound prospecting services and expert consulting to consistently fill your sales buckets, they have built the ultimate sales enablement tool, Uplevel. It lets you up level your skills by managing all of your playbooks and scripts in one place. Still writing your favorite opening lines on sticky notes? Are your training and guides in a 100 different folders? Do you wish you had a way to develop a playbook to actually enable your team? With UpLevel, you can easily do it all. Whether you're a rep or a leader, your job just got a whole lot easier. Start for free today, and you can go to thesalesdevelopers.com/backslash/UpLevel. You are now tuned into the Lunch Break Podcast, where true sales pros go to tell their stories. This is episode 42 of the Lunch Break Podcast where true sales pros go to tell their stories. My name is James Bodden and I am absolutely excited about my guest today, Ashley Early. She is a sales development leader at Vendition and co-host of The Other Side of Sales Podcast. And Ashley and I have an amazing conversation about how she got started in sales, how her father's career in sales influenced her decisions as she grew up and decided what she wanted to do, how her different interests regarding academics, theater, all of these different things, how all of her interests really have influenced her sales career and made... A big difference in her ability to connect with people. So really excited for you guys to listen to this amazing episode with Ashley Early. But if you don't have the entire time to sit and listen to the whole conversation right now, I am going to serve up a snack break sales tip from Ashley Early. Take a listen.
1: I'm going to give one of my favorite tips is um, when somebody says I'm not interested. So this is just straight cold calling one on one. This is my favorite live hack. Okay. Somebody says they're not interested. Ask, do you mind if I ask why you're not interested? That's it. Because it's just it, but I love that tip because it's basically a Jedi mind trick that yep. flips them. So they want to say no. But if they say no to that question, <laughs> they then have to tell you why they're not interested. <laughs> so they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, crud. Um, well, we already have an X. Because the fact of the matter is, I'm not interested isn't an objection, it's a push off. You got to get past the push-off to get to the objection. Oh, I'm too busy right now. Okay, great. When's a better time to talk? Yeah. But just do you mind if I ask why you're not interested is one of the few exact phrases I tell everyone to use.
0: One of the most actionable sales tips we've had on the Lunch Break podcast and really, truly pumped to get this episode 42 going. So without any further ado, here is... This episode of the Lunch Break Podcast with Ashley Early. All right, folks, here we go. Welcome to episode 42 of the Lunch Break Podcast. I am thrilled to have my guest, Ashley Early, on the show today. One, because I'm just a huge fan of the content that she puts on LinkedIn, the way that she thinks about the sales profession, the sales development profession in particular, uh, two, the partnership with with uh, Casey Jones and, and their podcast has been absolutely awesome to watch. And, and three, she's in the RDU area, which is a first for the Lunch Break podcast. Uh, we're actually doing this uh, from the same city, which is all, all uh, for me kind of a thrill. So Ashley, for all those reasons, just really glad to have you on the show.
1: I'm thrilled to be here. I'm, as a new resident of the triangle, I'm also excited to make a local connection. Yay.
0: <laughs> yay Yay for local connections, um, coming from the internet. So look, I think, um, we, we, we've got a lot to cover and there's a lot that I want to talk to you about so we can kick this thing off just the same way I always do. Uh, how did you get started in sales?
1: Yeah. And this is a fun one. Cause I have both a very classic story and a very weird story. So, it's classic in the sense that I actually was raised by a salesman. My dad's a sales guy. He started off doing AT&T out of school, uh, you know, worked his way up through deck and digital, and he was a high tech sales guy. Yeah. And for the majority of my childhood, that meant he traveled a ton. And it's really interesting because while he traveled a ton, he was always there for everything important. He, mm-hmm. he never missed a soccer game, never missed a performance, never missed a parent teacher conference, but just a lot of the random stuff in the middle he missed. So I always joke like he missed my first really bad scuffed me.
0: Got it. I don't yeah. know why.
1: I remember that, but I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, well when, that
0: stuff matters, you know, when you're a kid. It matters they, in a strange
1: way. Yeah, and yeah. we moved a ton. So the other side of that is we went through, like, there were a bunch of moves. Some of them went fine. Some of them were absolute disasters. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was fine, but it's great because people here, I moved like, Oh, you're in the military. I'm like, no, I'm just a tech brat. <laughs> so I, I coined that term but yeah. one of the interesting things I found with a lot of other tech brats is they had that very similar experience of moving a ton parents that travel a ton but they were there for the important stuff so it's not like there were absentee parents or stuff like that it was mm-hmm. just they were there for the big things you know all that stuff but he missed a lot of little things and as a result I went into college absolutely convinced, I'm gonna age myself here a little bit, but absolutely convinced that I was going to become CJ Craig from the West Wing. I I really wanted to be a PR specialist for political campaigns. Got it. Um, And so I went to Santa Clara University with, ended up getting, with the intent of studying political science, did that. While I was there, um, I decided to pursue my passion because my dad gave me the really good advice of, college degrees are a checkbox. Mm -hmm. study whatever you like, and then it's a checkbox. And so I decided, okay, if I'm gonna be plunging myself into this much debt, I might as well get two degrees. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up getting a degree in opera. Oh, wow. Yeah, so I ended up pursuing that, and that turned out to be a way harder feat than the poli-sci degree. A poli-sci degree, I mean, it was challenging, it was super fun, I loved it, but at the same time, like opera, in a weird way, actually I found has helped me more in sales than poli-sci has. (laughs) Funny because how that works. Because you get really good at selling things you don't understand. Mm. So, I mean, I've got a repertoire that crosses 12 languages. Oh, wow. Um, and I know about half the translations.
0: So Otherwise, just... it's
1: just the general emotion of it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: which is really That's really, really
0: interesting, yeah.
1: So there's that. You get really good at that. You get really good at things going wrong and learning how to cover when things go wrong. Mm. Um, you get really good at handling rejection. So it's kind of funny when you talk about hiring salespeople, people, uh, you know, you hear the come about, oh, I want some D1 athletes. I'm like, screw that, you want some theater people. Yeah. Because there is theater and music because they're, I mean, people talk, you know, it's competitive to get onto these sports teams. And it is, I'm not taking anything away from that. But there's a whole group of people who, I am very good at what I do. I'm Mm -hmm. very good at opera. No, I'm not going to sing on this. (laughs) <laughs> but um, at the same time I'm nowhere near good enough to have made a career out of it. And I yep. knew that, I knew that in college, I knew that immediately. And I knew I didn't want to make a career out of it. Cause I like having money and I'm not into the <laughs> starving artist thing. I'm not going to do it. So, you know, it, it worked out really well. Police. Sci so taught me like the science of group dynamics and stuff like that, but in terms yeah, of important stuff being able to not get rattled, be in front of groups, you know, go out there and sell it Mm -hmm. without having all the details. Opera was a godsend. Um, At the same Mm -hmm. time, I mentioned I went to, I went to Santa Clara University, which is a great school, but also is expensive. Mm -hmm. I worked my way through college actually teaching SAT prep. Okay. By the time I was graduating, they'd actually kind of promoted me to kind of now I look back and realize they were kind of taking advantage of me, but I started doing curriculum design for people who were prepping for AP tests. Okay. And I took a bunch of AP tests cause I'm a nerd and they, I ended up kind of building out, helping them build out that program. And in the process I worked with the, this business owner's father who has a PhD in teaching in pedagogy. So I was able to adapt a bit of what he learned, which was really great. Um, he was also absolutely terrifying. <laughs> Everything I built was horrible. But then at least he told me why, which was great. So
0: Yeah, sometimes those frightening figures uh, you know, are the ones you can look back and say, ah, they actually helped me out.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, bit. I'm pretty sure he still hates me. Um, <laughs> but I just I bugged him. <laughs> I don't know what it was. I just bugged him, which was fine. Um so it was kind of interesting. But what that and then what this ended up culminating in was you know, 20 something, early 20 something year old Ashley graduating from college in 2009, at the height of the recession, mm. with poly sci and music degrees going, what the heck am I gonna do with my life?
0: What is this world?
1: What is this world? And right around that same time, the King's speech came out. Mm. And I figured I didn't want to do political campaigns, because again, I don't, I'm not into the starving artist thing. And I thought, <laughs> ooh, Speech therapy. That sounds great. So I took a job doing, um, in home, it's called applied behavioral analysis or ABA therapy with early intervention autistic kids. So I was working with two to four year old autistic children and it was fabulous. It was all about like playing with the kid and using play to create learning moments. Yeah. And I thoroughly enjoyed that, but it was absolutely exhausting. I oh, had I fully imagine. burned out by t- by 2011.
0: Oof.
1: So two years of it. And I was like, I mean, I'd had CPS called on me. I'd gotten a black eye from my kid. I have scars oh, on my, gosh. on my arms. Um, I'd sat crying with a parent while their kid was banging their head against a wall because they were, we were dealing with an extinction burst, the whole thing. Um, Mm. And so much respect for the people who do this as a career. They have a level of passion, dedication that I, I enjoyed it. I had so much fun with it. But at the same time, like I came home at the end of the day and my husband called me a zombie. Cause I was, it just took everything I had. Um, so 2011 rolls around and I promise that I promise this does relate. 2011 rolls around and I marry the love of my life, my husband, and I'm still doing the ABA therapy. And I look around and. We'd had a conversation years earlier that I was going to be the breadwinner. And I'm looking at how much I'm making doing in-home ABA therapy and how much it would cost to go back to grad school to do the speech pathology thing. And I have about a three-month-long slow-motion panic attack Mm. of, I can't do this. I don't know what else to do. Yeah. And we're broke. We're living in Santa Clara, California. We're paying two grand a month for... You know, at, at, literally, we had to sign an asbestos waiver saying we know there is asbestos in this apartment. Um, the whole thing.
0: Oh and man!
1: Basically, it took my dad bringing it back, sitting yeah. me down, and saying, "Ashley, it's time. You need to go into sales.
0: <laughs> it's time."
1: I know. It, no, it really was, and it was like, "I don't want to travel. I don't want to do. No, I'm not a salesperson. I don't like scamming people." Yeah. No, it's not like that. And I'm your dad. I know you're not going to listen to me. Let me connect you up with two of my friends. And they were people who I knew. I'd known their kids. Okay. But they people who I knew.
0: Yeah, it's familiar.
1: Familiar enough. And they kind of explained what an SDR was. And they're like, "I, you know, your dad warned me quick. You're going to be fine at this. Da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. Just try it. Give it six months.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And... By my second week, I was 100% hooked. I Instant. Got, I'd, I'd gotten, I'd started doing <laughs> meetings. They had, I was creating collateral. I actually did a, a test run. The company I went to was actually trying Connect and sell, which I know you're a huge fan of.
0: I'm so, on it daily.
1: Yep. I, so they were betaing it and they put me on it because they're like, well, she's new. If the new person can use it, then it's okay. Yeah. When I say new, I say new of like four people.
0: Okay, yeah, <laughs> so the newest.
1: People the newest. And I was on a um, guided session with Andre Anderson, who used to be their head of sales and is now doing a bunch of other really cool stuff out of the Bay Area. And he jokingly said, you know, he, he was gobsmacked. It was like my second week. He said, you sound like you've been doing this forever. I'm like, well, I haven't. I have no clue what I'm doing. But he said, ha ha ha. If you ever need a job, hit me up. And, and he's also a Santa Clara grad. So there's that connection. Yep. And that came in really handy because, um, about six months after I joined actually it was less than that. It was four or five months after I joined that company, my dad got sick. Hmm. Spoiler alert. He's fine. Everything's good, but I had to Ooh, move back okay. up to Seattle for a bit. Okay. And when that was over, I want to move back to the Bay area with my husband and called Andre. I was like, Hey, looking for a job.
0: <laughs> what up?
1: Yeah. And he walked me into FireEye and that was really where everything started taking off. Because I got in there about a year before their IPO. Mm. Team blew up, got me my first foray into management. And that led to SDR leadership roles at companies like Pernix Data, which was acquired by Nutanix, Mattermark, Okta, uh, where I built out their inbound team. And now I'm running the apprenticeship program at Vendition, And Mm. uh, started this, you mentioned uh, Casey, uh, started Casey and I recently launched a podcast called The Other Side of Sales where we're specifically trying to highlight the stories of the sales professionals who don't fit the typical sales bro model. Because <laughs> we both got a little sick of all of it. We're like, all right, we're sick of that being the loudest voice in the room. I'm yeah. Telling the other side.
0: Yeah, no, and I love that. And, and it's such a great story. And th- that's the reason why I asked this question at the beginning, because mm-hmm. it's there's never it's never a straight line. No, always got all these different shades and all these different. I thought that I was going to do this, and then life handed me this, and then I ended up here and loved it, and was and just ran with it, right? And so, uh, your story is is so great for so many reasons, and and you know the first thing that I want to touch on is is that identification of hey. Let's look at people who have been in theater. And mm-hmm. in music, for these types of competitive and, and uh, gritty sales development reps, because I was a theater geek all yeah. through high school and and uh, when I went to college, there was you know that 's the only class that I went to my freshman year was theater. Um, and, so you
1: know the horror of showing up to an audition and seeing 50 people who look exactly like you with the same or more training than you and trying to figure out how to stand out? I mean, if that's not preparing you for sales, I yeah. don't know what is.
0: Well, and, and, and I think about it so much that uh, it's really the closest way that most people can, like, because for me, the first thing I ever wanted to be was an actor when I was five years old. I saw this Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, and I knew it was fake because it was the graphics were so bad. Even in the eighties, as a five-year-old, like Superman old. one. Superman one. You know what I mean? The yeah. one that came out in like nineteen seventy-nine. I knew it was fake, so I just wanted to be the guy who got to play Superman, right? And that is kind of what led to me doing theater. But being in sales, like every day, it's showtime. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, um, And I got into retail sales and it was definitely like, I mean, that was like the only way I survived was relating it to my experience in theater. Like, okay, I know I've been trained on what to say. I don't really know what all of it means, but I know I can go out there and deliver it, right? And the delivery is always so important. And I think that's just such a great thing and kind of goes along with the non-sales bros type thing. Like you don't have to be an ex-athlete that played four years of varsity sports oh. to be a great salesperson, you know. You can be the person who was in the fall play, the spring play, the student run plays, the improv groups. Well,
1: and, and I'll say this: it's not even about being an extrovert because completely the, most
0: theater geeks are are not extroverts. You no,
1: know, which is people think if you're if you're comfortable performing in front of groups, you're an extrovert.
0: No, not true.
1: Not true at all. Um, and and my introvert theater geeks will will appreciate that. But mm-hmm. you know, it's. I'm trying to, re- when I work with hiring managers and they ask me how to get good talent, the biggest thing I tell them is look for anyone who has a competitive background and ask them, what was the last thing you competed for? Cause mm-hmm. that's, I mean, you can be extroverted. You can do those things. Those are aspects of the personality, but those aren't really the key defining characteristics of a good sales rep. A good sales rep has, well, this is kind of the, there's a difference between teachable personality characteristics and non teachable personality characteristics. Yep. I can teach you all the technique in the world if you don't have an inherent instinct for the clothes, and most people have it. they just need to refine it. It's like having a natural gait when you run, mm-hmm. says the person who is the least athletic coordinated person on the planet. But, but that
0: sounded has, very official. Just
1: Everyone has like everyone runs and you have a gait that you get yep. into. Yep. I learned this when I tried to get fitted for running shoes because I thought I was going to try and run. didn't happen. They're now my like muckabout shoes. But, um, that
0: salesperson was teaching you something cause it's they were,
1: they were, they educated me on how this works and they did like a whole gate analysis. And I was I like, love this it. Is fun. I love it. Yeah. Um, but you can hone that initial instinct, but there are people who they just do not have it yep. and that's okay. There are a million other tangential things that you can do. Some of those people are brilliant sales enablement people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Some of those people are brilliant operations people. There, there are still things, you know, closing adjacent, that there are careers here for. But if you don't have that instinct, if you don't see it, you don't see it. It's like being colorblind. Yeah. Just don't. I can't teach you that. At the same time, there are things that I can teach. I can teach all those skills. I can teach psychology. I can teach how to perform when needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I tell people all the time, hire for hustle. Mm. Look for someone who's hustled in the past. I don't care where it was. I don't care if they were an artist who went to five different cafes, try and find someone to post their artwork to see if they could sell it. Just look for someone who has some history of building something from scratch or you know, competing for something. You don't even have to sell anything. We can do it, but you have to have some sort of competitive streak in you. I hired someone once who was, and it took me like 20 minutes in an interview. I was like, she said, no, I'm not really that competitive. No, I don't do a lot. I'm really nervous about this. And then she reveals to me that she was a nationally ranked chess player. I was like, are you kidding me? How do you not see that that is like, that, that's one of my favorite stories. Cause she honestly, it just did not occur to mm-hmm. that that was relevant. It's like, no, 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 any sort of competition
0: yeah. is relevant.
1: Yeah. I don't care what it's in.
0: Well, and, and I think that's just a, a symptom of, for whatever reason, you know, there are professions that tend to be generalized and stereotyped uh, pretty consistently lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, butchers, right? I mean, the, the, these things that we think we have an idea about what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're so prevalent in our society. And sales is one of those things. Uh, typically, the perception is pretty negative. Um, typically, the perception is that you have to be an extroverted, super aggressive yeah. person. Tricking when in-
1: people into doing yep. things.
0: Yeah, con man. Mm-hmm. uh lying to to get your way and screw somebody else over i mean that's the entire reason i stayed away from sales and never yeah, it's thought the, it's,
1: the, it's the alec baldwin it's the glengarry yeah. glen ross always yeah. be closing do you see this watch <laughs> all of that which yeah. i now now it's like it, it's like a lovable sarcastic joke and now i can look I at, know. It and at it but like i remember the first time i watched that i was in my early 20s i had just started my sales career i actually could not oh, make
0: it. Oh no, yeah.
1: I couldn't make Uh, it. I was like this is too close to home I can't I can't do it
0: yeah well see the first time I saw it my dad so my so interestingly enough you know you had a father that was in sales I had a father who got into sales like out of necessity when we moved but hated it like and knew that he didn't like it and we watched that movie one time and he just laughed so hard because like he had at that point I think he had he wasn't in furniture sales anymore you know so he was like past that horrible experience of having to do that and he was like oh my god you know this is how it is and i hated it and you know uh was was laughing about it but to me that was probably like 12 or 13 you know and i was like oh my god i'm never doing that job yeah ever
1: and and you know john barrow says it the best sales is the best job in the world when you do it right and it's the worst job in the world when you do it wrong
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and that's totally true and There are people that are going to thrive. And I think the sales profession, because it is so inherently numbers and black, white in terms of win loss, there's this natural instinct and it's called the, and it's, I've actually spoken on this at a couple different places, but there's, there's actually a fallacy of best practices where it's, okay, I want to go clone my top three reps. Mm -hmm. And that creates a feedback loop that we're just now starting to break out of, even though this has been going on since the seventies, really with the door-to-door salespeople, you know, and even before that, but it wasn't organized enough that we could recognize it. We're just now starting to realize the feedback loops that we created where it's like, oh, okay, this worked at my last company, therefore it will work here. Or this is who I am and I'm going to hire 10 people who work like I do because they'll be easier to manage. Yeah. And we now see all sorts of research coming out of Harvard and, uh, you know, all these great scholarly things. I saw, uh, Bridge Group did a great report with the University of New Hampshire recently, all the fantastic stuff that says diversity sells better. Yeah. You know, diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity of in every spectrum of the word. But it's really hard to break those in those, those impressions of okay, but if I draw a salesperson, if they're all it's gonna be, I mean, everyone's gonna everyone's going to draw Alec Baldwin. Yeah. Everyone's gonna draw Leonardo DiCaprio and Wolf of Wall Street. Sucks. And the fact of the matter is you talk to people who are successful salespeople. Yeah. There's a lot that look like that. There's a few that behave like that, but the best salespeople typically aren't them.
0: Yeah. And they hate those
1: stereotypes. They hate it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's why it's important that the people who are doing it the right way, like the John Barrows of the world and, and uh, the Casey Jones and the Ashley Earlies are, being vocal about your beliefs and what you 've experienced, and uh, one thing that I find interesting is that obviously movies get made about the most sensational aspects of whatever it is right yeah. so if there was a movie made about being a waiter it 's going to be the most extreme version and wacky version of it, right so I get that and and so that 's what 's entertaining um, so to balance that out you know i 'm glad we have a community like LinkedIn that real sales sales professionals can kind of talk about what it's really like. But when did you make that decision to start like, Hey, I've done all these things, right. I've been in sales development. I've, I've kind of walked the walk. What, what, what was the switch for you to kind of get started on, on producing content and being involved in, in the community in that way? Cause not everybody does it. And I think more people need to, you know,
1: and it's, It's a very double sword. I, eh, I'm opinionated. (laughs) I have very strong feelings about the ways things should and shouldn't be done, but I'm also somebody who that political nerd in me. Mm. I love hearing what the other side thinks.
0: Yeah. That debate.
1: Yes. Oh yeah. No, I actually like, you want to go all the way back. Like I actually was a state, I actually was a um, nationally ranked speech and debate person. (laughs) I I, on
0: the sales floor if you're on a debate team.
1: Yeah. No debate instantly wins. And I specialize in something called extemporaneous, which was basically, I had these four giant tubs. I'm talking like three foot by one foot of uh, filed organized news articles. So I spent three years of high school reading the New York Times, the Washington Post and the Financial Times every day, cutting out articles and filing them according to topic.
0: And wow. then when I
1: go to these meets, um, you have to, you're given three questions and you have 30 minutes to prepare a 10 minute speech on one of those questions using at least five sources. And I got to the point where I was usually doing about eight or nine and you had to have date title and publication. um, when you drop these things in and I got very good at that, which translated to sales really well, but that was a really good, um, I got very good at reading something once and knowing vaguely where it is. So mm-hmm. I could find things very quickly. Yeah, but, super valuable. Oh yeah, no, it, it, but that's, that's what I'm saying. Like I had all these things going on and now I can look back and go, oh, that helped with this, that helped with that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot about this. Like I'd forgotten about the debate thing until my mom came to visit me recently and she brought a photo of me with the tubs because that's what we called them, the tubs.
0: Yeah, and I, was I like, mean, oh, I'm sure it was a topic I of forgot. conversation. That is, yeah, right? I mean, wow.
1: Well, there's that. And then like, I'll even give you another example. I have... Well, this is actually really funny, but I'll post it on Twitter. Um, <laughs> my mom did photos of me and my sister every couple months with a local photographer. She bought one of those packages and we were like really little. Yeah, yeah. My one-year birthday shoot is me standing with a plastic phone.
0: Love it from the, <laughs> just one year in. <laughs> so it's the like, future yeah, was written.
1: The phone since nineteen eighty. Oh
0: in, man.
1: No, it's hysterical, and it's same thing. Like I was looking through a family photo album and I saw that and I just started crying. I was laughing so hard and it's now like my profile pic everywhere I can like (laughs) post it internally because it's just funny.
0: Yeah Um, that's so funny how life takes you on these journeys that build up all of these different experiences that end up feeding into this.
1: But that's kind of the point is everybody has their journey and their different experiences that are going to draw into things and you don't realize it until you're several years beyond it. So what that culminated in for me to get back to the question of how did I get to point where I'm starting to generate content? Um, when I left Okta, I was at a point in my life where I was a little bit kind of done with the corporate grind. I got through two IPOs. I'd gone through some restructuring and I hit up, uh, James Nielsen at Vendition, who I'd been working with off and on for a couple of years at that point. I was like, all right, I'm in the market. Who's looking? Yeah. And he said, me. Um, so that worked out really well. But one of the things that I knew I wanted to do was I wanted to get out of the Bay Area. And because my role at Vendition is 100% remote, because basically my job is to do what my favorite part of being an SDR manager was, and that's coaching and working one-on-one with my SDRs. Yeah. I, I love that. It fires me up. It's my favorite part of the job. I can do the HR stuff. I can do the spreadsheets and all that and all that stuff I can do all the financial justification but that's not the stuff that really fires me up it's the one on one connections with my with my apprentices my SDRs so being able to do that full time and have it be remote is fantastic it's just been amazing and one of the things that came out of that was i'm working with a lot of different companies and a lot of different people who are starting to build SDR teams from scratch and I keep having the same conversations over and over. I understand you want to do an athlete. I understand you want someone with two years of experience in, in SaaS sales that specializes in security. I understand that you want this and I, you're not wrong, Yeah. but what you want is a unicorn that's probably going to take you a year or two to find if you're lucky. And yeah. they're certainly not going to come and work for you for 50 K. So it started with having just these same conversations over and over. Mm-hmm. combined with seeing this real surge. I mean, I think a lot of people had this experience last year. Grant Cardone spoke at the Drift Conference. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, if you don't know what happened there, Google it. It's both distressing and hilarious at the same time. Um, Much I like his recent
0: interview it. on uh, with uh, Jordan Belfort too. That was a weird one. I don't know if you've caught the winds uh, about that.
1: Oh, you I gotta go look that up.
0: Together. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. I couldn't That's even watch question. the whole thing.
1: <laughs> not surprised you put those two together. Yeah. Um, but but it, it was a combination of that and just realizing again and again, just seeing all the common mistakes and going, okay, this isn't just about, like literally there's nothing out there. yeah. So going through kind of all that stuff as well as challenging myself. And it is, it's nerve wracking to be putting content out there. It's, it's actually much scarier than I thought. I have no problem getting up in front of a room and saying someone else's words. That's easy. (laughs) But taking a stand and calling some stuff out is, it's, it's more distressing than you'd think. Like, I'll give you an example. I, and it's, it's kind of funny. I posted, um, and I'm going to be turning this into a post at some point here in the near future. But when, the whole zoom info discover org thing was announced. I posted, I was like, okay, unpopular opinion. This makes me kind of nervous because everything I know about business says monopolies aren't typically great for customers. Mm -hmm. You know, I I love both these products. I I have no doubt it's going to be a good merger. I love both the companies. I've been a huge fan and longtime user of both, but anybody else worried about this? Cause I'm not hearing anyone say it. Um, That blew up. (laughs) <laughs> to the point where Henry, their CEO, actually DM'd me. Wow. And was like, here's why you don't have to worry. Mm. Da, 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 da. And it was it was a big, long email. And I had this moment of, oh, God, I just pissed off the CEO of Discover Org. And then I was like, no, 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 no breathe.
0: It's fine. <laughs>
1: it was just him. And I, I told him and I responded. I was like, I appreciate that you actually took the time to write that and respond. And I am a big fan. I honestly posted not to criticize, but just because... I have a concern, and I didn't see anyone else saying it. Yeah. So I thoroughly hope that my concern is just me being paranoid. That's totally fine by me. But it's when you're so I, I have no problem going one on one with someone. Yeah. And I can either convince them or I don't. That's the, I don't have an I have an ego, but my ego is not so much that that's going to give a big hit. <laughs> but there's something about posting content that is your. Quasi original ideas, or at least you putting it down, and this fear of people that I respect and that I, I, you know, admire professionally coming back and saying, Oh, I don't like that, or Oh, I disagree with this, or oh, Are you doing this right? and dah, dah, dah. And the feedback's been generally pretty positive. But every time I post it, I go, Oh, God, I really hope John doesn't hate this. Oh, God, I really hope Casey likes this. Oh, God, I really mm-hmm. hope Trish and Lori don't think I'm stepping on their toes. Mm-hmm. You know, all these other things. Oh, God, I really hope you know, James and Ryan don't come after me screaming at me for stealing <laughs> something that they did. It never happens. But every time I post something, I definitely have a lot of anxiety about yeah.
0: it, Yeah, which
1: is something I'm still trying to kind of work through and like, okay, where is that coming from? Why am I feeling it? Is it imposter syndrome? Is it because I, I know, I know my stuff, but putting it out, there's a whole other level of vulnerability that is new and is still something i'm working through and i'm kind of scared it's to the point where i'm actually i've always had this belief that if something scares me i have to do it
0: (laughs) it's a a great belief to have and 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 look i so it's gotten me into
1: some interesting situations
0: (laughs) yeah well you know there's always uh you know that's what keeps life interesting (laughs) for sure but i think so the, the, the mindset and what you're going through, I think is a huge reason that people just avoid it altogether. Like who the hell needs to be worried about this stuff. Right. But it's important because um, there's a couple of different ways you could choose to, you know, be on LinkedIn, right. You could be vanilla and just repost things from like uh, HBR articles and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, comment here and there, positive things and never really cause any problems and you probably wouldn't have to worry about it but what you're the reason you're worried and the reason there's anxiety around it is because you're telling your truth and you're being um transparent and vulnerable and that is the most valuable type of content i mean i can't tell you with you know the more and more people that do create content inherently the more and more fluff and uh one minute videos that talk about something that isn't actually talking about anything yeah. pop up, right? And I, yeah,
1: that's the biggest one thing of I the reasons. With yeah, it's like, one I, of the
0: I, reasons I can't stand LinkedIn and I have to yeah. take breaks. I have to take like three or four day breaks. Um, but it's also the reason that I'm so glad people like you are going through the stress <laughs> of of dealing with it. Because that, it's that's valuable. honestly,
1: I'll say this, that's also my biggest fear. It's not, it's 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 a bit that people won't like it, but more than anything, God, I don't want to be clickbait.
0: Yeah, I don't want to be trite. I, I don't want to be.
1: If I'm going to, you know, one of my guilty pleasures is this show called Great British Bake Off. Me Baking too. is. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, but Prue, one of the hosts on there, she always says, okay, if I'm going to eat something, it's got to be worth the calories.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And I try to make view my content like that. Okay, if somebody's going to take the time to read this, can I get something out of it? Yeah. Like that's the big thing I want. And there's, it's kind of this weird double-edged sort of sales and that there's so many ways to do this job and be successful.
0: Yeah.
1: It's almost more about how to think critically and figure out which ways are going to work for you and which ways aren't versus going out there. Like that's the one thing I hate is I hate the articles. Like try these five things to triple your open rates. Yeah. No,
0: <laughs> can't no. do it. Yeah.
1: Like think through these things before you try and like bank on it. But that's how you end up with stuff like SDR should set a meeting a day, make a mm-hmm. hundred dials do all this other stuff. There are a million reasons why that might not work for your specific situation. So I really, yeah. if I could define like what I'm trying to do is I'm just trying to get people that think, mm-hmm. like that supply apply that kind of nerdy scientific mindset. <laughs> Let's critically analyze this stuff and at least yeah. get you thinking. So yeah. it becomes, so salespeople become less play machines and more playmakers.
0: Yeah. No, and I mean, it. it's, it's a good concern to have because very quickly uh, and i've even noticed this one sometimes i'll start writing a post or thinking about a post and it's like "Ugh, this has been said so many times yeah <laughs> right it's just i'm just trying to fill some need that i feel to be active or um enjoy the endorphins of seeing people comment on my stuff you know <laughs> so yeah, it pays no, to be real with yourself as you're going through it because it is Uh, You know, I had Morgan Ingram on the show um, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, he's great. And he talked about it, right? I mean, uh, he started, his friends started calling him out for being Morgan J all the time. You know, like when we're hanging out, just relaxing and you're like, Mr. Sales Trainer guy all the time or LinkedIn personality brand man. It's like, there's a lot to balance and, um, but it is valuable. And I think um, something that I admire about you know, kind of the choice you've made and, and the topics you guys, you and Casey choose to speak about are important topics. And um, so, well, okay,
1: they're not all important topics. We've got an episode coming up where we talk about whether or not high heels are a good idea. <laughs> so, no, I mean, there's this, they're important, but at the same time, they're also the things that some maybe you're afraid to ask. Sure. But like the this, this stuff that you wish you'd known going into it <laughs> that we all figure out usually, you know. Either vicariously by watching somebody else screw up, or by screwing it up yourself.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and 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 you know, the cause behind it is important. The the topics can seem silly or insignificant, but all of it's important, right? Just because um, it's a, it's a point of view and voice that we need to make louder, right? We need to get away from the uh, next generation of people thinking that of, of young people thinking that. You know i don't want to be in sales because i don't want to be a used car salesman yep you know that's a big thing uh that's why i love when i hear and talk to younger sales folks right that are 20 21 coming out of college and they and they've got this really I'll uh, we'll call it john barrow's mindset right do it yeah. the right way right yeah um, and 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 know what it's truly about so i love that and and i'm looking at the clock we could probably this could probably be a two and a half hour episode if we wanted it to be we'll have to do this
1: again. We'll have to do this in person and share some coffee.
0: Yeah. Way, we'll I
1: have to, I have to do a quick plug because you mentioned John Barris in the sales. Yes. John just released a children's book called I Wanna Be in Sales When I Grow Up. You can get it on Amazon. It's delightful. I've already bought like four copies for my two. Yep. Yep. Um, I'm giving it to like everyone. It's amazing. Everyone should get it for every small child in their life. It's so adorable. And all of the proceeds go to his daughter's favorite charity, which is some sort of nature conservation firm. But yeah. Um, yeah it's awesome. Go to go buy that. And, and
0: you know, it's pre-ordered for me because it's it's as, uh, you know, I have a 10 year old son and as he's getting older, it's like framing this thing as, <laughs> you know, what do you do all day? Right? Um, and and it, it's not just uh, what, of people think it's about. So love the, the message. And as we're wrapping up here, I want to make sure that for folks that aren't able to listen to the entire episode right off the bat, I always include a little sales tip at the beginning of the episode. So what's an actionable tip that you would give uh, a salesperson that they could use when they're done listening to the little snippet here?
1: I'm going to give one of my favorite tips is um, when somebody says I'm not interested So this is just straight cold calling one-on-one. This is my favorite live hack. Okay. somebody says they're not interested, ask, do you mind if I ask why you're not interested? That's it. It's just it. But I love that tip because it's basically a Jedi mind trick that flips them. So they want to say no, but if they say no to that question, (laughs) they then have to tell you why they're not interested. (laughs) So they're like, no, 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 no. Oh, crud. Um, Well, we already have an X. Because the fact of the matter is, I'm not interested isn't an objection, it's a push-off. Mm -hmm. you got to get past the push off to get to the objection. Oh, I'm too busy right now. Okay, great. When's a better time to talk? Yeah. But just do you mind if I ask why you're not interested is one of the few exact phrases I tell everyone to use.
0: Yeah. And there's not a lot of them. But the reason that it works is because it's the combination of a few things that are absolutely necessary. When cold calling, it's reasonable. It's rooted in truth. It's polite. Um, and, and all of those things go towards doing exactly what you're trying to do is move that forward. I love that. That might be my favorite sales tip so far. Like literally there it is, go use it. And it works every time. Boom. I love it. So um, Ashley, as, as we get to the end here, uh, I want to make sure that I ask you the same question that I ask every person that comes on the lunch break podcast. What is your favorite place to eat lunch?
1: So right now I am slightly obsessed with this bakery called La Farm that's Mm. over in Cary near us. Yeah, I love them because I, I mentioned the Great British Bake Off. I am a complete bread addict and they make the best (laughs) naturally yeasted bread I've had outside of like a couple specialty bakeries in San Francisco Mm. Um, and they do a bunch of sandwiches and they've got this white chocolate raspberry bread that it's not for lunch, but it's it's so good. I love it. That, that's my favorite thing. And so I buy like loaves of this stuff and I have it downstairs and I'll just go downstairs and like toast it up, <laughs> like just, just bread and butter right now. That's the way so. to
0: do it. Yeah, well, when it's that good, it doesn't need to be complicated, right? It
1: doesn't. Yeah, oh,
0: that's okay. the best. Awesome, well, hey, uh, how can people stay connected with you, get in touch with you, uh, talk about where they can find you, the podcast, all that good stuff.
1: Awesome, okay, so promo time. Uh, You can reach me on Twitter at Ashley at Work. That's A-S-H-L-E-I-G-H at A-T, Work. Um, It's a very obscure Star Trek fan reference for anyone out there. (laughs) I got to say that the sci-fi nerd in me is obsessed with that I'm episode 42 because that is the answer (laughs) to everything. Yes. Happy Deep Inside.
0: (laughs) That's so great.
1: Um, You can also, I work for Vendition, which we specialize in sales apprenticeships, so helping people get and place and succeed in their first sales jobs. So anyone who, especially if you're in San Francisco, Bay Area, LA, or New York, and you're either hiring SDRs or interested in becoming an SDR, definitely hit up bendition.com. Um, you could also listen to the other side of sales podcast at other side of We are going to be on probably by the time this airs, we hopefully will be in the, in the Apple podcast store. Um, but you can also hit us up on Twitter and Instagram and all that at hello at other side of or t- on Twitter, we're at, at other side sales. Yes. got Did all. it like
0: a pro. I love <laughs> it. Absolutely wonderful. And, and again, thank you so much for coming on. I, I think we will have to do part two because there's, I've like got a list of things that I wanted to ask you that I just didn't have time to. So really appreciate you coming on. And uh, with that, I'm going to wrap up this episode of the lunch break podcast. Speak to you guys soon.